Um, I encourage you to turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 6 this morning. That's where we're going to begin our study. Mark chapter 6. Again, continuing our study in the harmony of the Gospels and looking at the life of John the Baptist. Um, We have covered his birth, his life, his ministry, his privilege, and the recognition. We're going to complete, I hope, I said this last week, but I hope we're going to complete this today and looking at his death. I'm going to say this, but sometimes when I say this, it doesn't always pan out. This is probably going to be a very short lesson today. Um, But, uh, you know, we're going to look at some scriptures and look at his ending because the ending of the life of John the Baptist is just as important, if not more, than his beginning, his birth. Uh, We find that he is... uh, powerful man of God. In fact, the Gospel of John identifies John the Baptist as there was a man sent from God whose name was John. I think that is a powerful introduction to a person's existence and his ministry and his life. And, uh, you know, may it be said of us as well. But in Mark chapter 6, we're going to begin reading verse 14 down through verse 29. And uh, then we'll look at uh, some of the Scriptures, what it says. Verse 14, Mark chapter 6, Now King Herod heard of him, uh, for his name had become well known. And he said, John the Baptist is risen from the dead. So the him that is referring to is Jesus. King Herod had heard of Jesus. His reputation had finally uh, come into King Herod's ears. And this is what King Herod thought about Jesus when he heard of what Jesus was doing. And he said, John the Baptist is risen from the dead, and therefore these powers are at work in him. Others said, it is Elijah. And others said, it is the prophet or like one of the prophets. But when Herod heard, he said, This is John, whom I beheaded. He has been raised from the dead. For Herod himself had sent and laid hold of John and bound him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his his brother Philip's wife, for he had married her. Because John had said to Herod, It is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. Therefore Herodias held it against him and wanted to kill him, but she could not. For Herod feared John, knowing that he was a just and holy man, and he protected him. And when he heard him, he did many things and heard him gladly. Then an opportune day came when Herod on his birthday gave a feast for his nobles, the high officers and the chief men of Galilee. And when Herodias' daughter herself came in and danced and pleased Herod and those who sat with him, the king said to the girl, Ask me whatever you want, and I will give it to you. He also swore to her, Whatever you ask me, I will give you up to half my kingdom. So she went out and said to her mother, What shall I ask? And she said, The head of John the Baptist. Immediately she came in with haste to the king and and asked, saying, I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptist on a platter. The king was exceedingly sorrow. Yet because of the oaths 
And because of those who sat with him, he did not want to refuse her. Immediately the king sent an executioner and commanded his head to be brought. And he went and beheaded him in prison, brought his head on a platter and gave it to the girl, and the girl gave it to her mother. When his disciples heard of it, they came and took away his corpse and laid it in a tomb. Now we have here kind of a summary of the demise of John the Baptist, the ending of his ministry. And we, one of the things that we brought out last week, the whole attitude of John the Baptist concerning the Lord Jesus Christ was that he must increase and John must decrease. John the Baptist was a powerful man of God, preached the Word of God. He, he, he turned the hearts of many of Israel uh, to the Lord and preaching the, the message of repentance for the kingdom of heaven is His hand. He in His own right received a lot of recognition because of his his stance on the truth of God. And yet, he was uh, mindful and he was uh, diligent about giving all the praise to the Lord and pointing others to the Lord Jesus Christ. He did not want to retain any of that for himself. And he... He had a fearless confrontation with the leader of the land at that time, King Herod. Now, as you read the Gospels, you'll find King Herod mentioned several times. But we need to remember and to study and to learn that, that not all the King Herods that are mentioned are the same King Herod. Because King Herod, the beginning, Herod the Great had sons, and they ended up ruling after him. And so we find that there's a succession of leadership that came down through the family tree until they were all uh, killed out. This King Herod in our text today is one of the sons of Herod the Great, Herod Antipas. And he was now in, in leadership of that day. And we find... That uh, uh, that's what the scholars indicate as far as timelines are concerned, and we find that uh, Herod had uh, uh, misused his power, his position. He had a brother named Philip. He also was a Herod, Herod Philip, the tetrarch, and we find that that uh, Antipas and his brother. Uh, Antipas visited with his brother uh, there for a while and ended up lusting after and uh, convincing Philip's wife to come be with him and divorce Philip and marry him, Antipas. Now, as a result of that, that was just uh, pretty bad. Number one, it was his brother's wife Number two, it was also his niece, which was a daughter of one of the other brothers. Uh, so we have a, a real dysfunctional family setting going on here. And uh, we find that there is a lot of conflict because of that. But what is worse, yes, sir? They weren't Jews either. They, uh, Herod the Great, I think, was a Jew. If I, if I, or he was noted as the king of the Jews, but he was put in position by the Romans. He was a puppet king, actually, what he was. He was uh, Esau's 
Well, that would make him a Jew. Because he was still of the lineage of Abraham and uh, I guess Israelite. Israelite, Israelite. Yes, that's the word I was looking for. Okay, but we find that that uh, Philip and Antipas was in conflict now of each other. But here's the here's the thing: Herod Antipas was the leader. He had a position of recognition, and now the leader is is conducting himself in a way that that promotes a uh, disdain for the law of God because he actually broke many things, many commandments of the law uh, that the Jews held sacred, of course. Uh, do not commit adultery. Do not take your, uh, your brother's wife. Do not uh, commit incest with your, your, your relatives, etc. So there's a lot of things that were being evident in public view and knowledge, and he was blatant about his position and, and his uh, his uh, connection, his joining with the uh, Herodias. And Herodias was the name of his wife that he was in an incestuous relationship with. And uh, so John the Baptist was, uh, again, I reiterate in the beginning, uh, he was not a politically correct preacher. Uh, he didn't. Uh, he didn't beat around the bush. He wasn't concerned with whether what he said and how he said it hurt your feelings, made you mad, offended you, or whatever. He was just speaking the truth and the uh, the anointing and the power of God. And we find that John the Baptist, when he learned of this incestuous relationship by Herod, he called him on it. He preached against it. Now... Uh, the message of John the Baptist was primarily, in summary, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. His mission was to prepare the people to receive the Messiah that was coming as a fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies of the Redeemer coming for the salvation of man. And we find that he was doing that and he was preaching and he was preaching strong and he realized that, uh, okay, the leader of our country, the, the one recognized as the king of the Jews at that time, uh, he was in a, in a uh, wrong position conducting himself uh, unscripturally in, in, in disobedience to God's Word. And so John had to make a decision, so to speak, just like we do today. Sometimes we are influenced by someone's position whether to say or whether not to say something and confront them, um, you know if uh, you know if you work or had worked and and you were your boss was about to do something that was in uh, uh, unethical or immoral or uh, illegal, uh, you know you would be confronted with the decision. Well, this is my boss, but do I say anything to him about that? You know, but we, as the people of God, believing the Word of God, trying to live for God and to please Him, uh, the choice is really actually easy if we're wanting to do what's right. And yes, we should confront that and we should pray for wisdom when we do it. Uh, we should pray for grace when we do it. We should pray uh, for God to enable us to uh, confront that with meekness and fear because, you know, 
God forbid, we're just one decision away from the same thing. We can very easily find ourselves in, in a wrongful state sometime before we realize it. Some, uh, and we might be confronted as well. We would want someone to confront us in the right way. But John the Baptist, because it was a public uh, disdain for the Word of God by King Herod, he made a public confrontation of what Herod did. Uh, you know, it's just like us today. We, our leader of our country, whomever it may be, and we're not getting into any political discussion here. I'm just saying regardless of who it might be, if they are making decisions that are against thus saith the Lord, they must, they should be confronted as such and given a warning of that and being instructed in the, in the ways of righteousness. So John the Baptist was the voice of the day. He was the man for, of the hour. And John the Baptist did not pull any punches. He did not uh, refrain from calling sin, sin. He definitely identified that. We looked at some of that uh, here not long ago. His ministry, we talked about his message and how the different people groups uh, asked him, what must we do? What should we do then? And he answered them accordingly. So John the Baptist was not like a lot of our uh, contemporary now uh, preachers uh, that, that are in pulpits today in positions. Um, he called sin just what it is. He identified it as sin. He called Herod on it. And he said, your adulterous, incestuous affair with Herodias is wrong. It's against the Word of God. You need to repent and make things right. And... Uh, and it had two different reactions from that. Herod, the king, grew to kind of fear John. He respected John. Not that he really feared as far as he was afraid of John. He just started respecting John because it's one thing about uh, something about a man that would stand up for right and even when you're wrong and you know you're wrong and some man stands up to you and points that out you have a tendency to respect that individual because of their boldness and their, their courage uh, just to be able to do that. And that's, I think, the attitude of King Herod toward John. He recognized that uh, he, John the Baptist was a holy man. He was a man of God. Now, had John the Baptist been living a lifestyle did not, that did not back up his preaching, that would have resulted in a different attitude. You know, if, you, if your walk doesn't back up your talk, then when you're, you begin to talk, then it's going to come back at you in your face. So let's, let's make sure that when we uh, go to someone and we challenge someone, <clears throat> we try to help someone, make sure that what we are doing, how we are living is right according to the Word of God. And John the Baptist had that reputation. He, he was recognized as being a man of God, a holy man, a just man. Uh, not that he was sinless, but that he was walking with God and he was, he was fulfilling the, the call of God upon his life. And Herod recognized that, so he respected him. And uh, it says that he feared him uh, in, in the way that he was... He, he, he just did not... Uh, use his authority. He could have said, 
uh, to his guards to kill John on the spot just as soon as he uh, challenged him on his uh, stand. But yet, because of John, who he is, and his reputation, Herod refrained from that. He did end up putting him in jail, uh, but, you know, he could have done a whole lot worse a lot sooner. So, we, if, uh, just for uh, some of the confrontation, let's look at uh, Mar, uh, Matthew, I mean, Matthew chapter 14. We'll look at a couple other passages concerning John's confrontation of, of King Herod. John 14. Verse 3. It says, For Herod had laid hold of John and bound him and put him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because John had said to him, It is not lawful for you to have her. And although he wanted to put him to death, he feared the multitude because they counted him as a prophet. So we find that Herod did put him in jail because of the challenge. But we find that John clearly stated it was not right for what Herod was doing. Um, Mark chapter, well we just read Mark chapter 6, the the passage there, our text, about his confrontation with Herod. So we find that, that John the Baptist was bold. He had a fearless confrontation. It didn't matter that he was the king. He was the leader. He was going to call him on it. So, uh, he, the, the message of John the Baptist, the preaching of John the Baptist um, was uh, clear. Uh, it wasn't uh, a generalized kind of message. He specifically uh, called sin what it was. You know, I think I mentioned this earlier. And uh, one of the probably the ministry uh, message lesson that John the Baptist uh, is different in in that um, he identified what sin was. You know, we we hear sometimes uh, the generalization of the word sin. You know, uh, you should not sin. Well, a lot of people people have different definitions of what that means. What is sin? You know, what I'm doing is not sin, but what you're doing is sin. You know what I'm saying? We have a different. It's relativism that is a prevalent today. Uh, relativism: your truth is your truth, but it may not be my truth, and vice versa. But here we have the standard, the Word of God, that is always saying the same thing. That's why we, the people of God, need to be a people of the Word of God, so we can know exactly what is the truth and live by it and you know a lot of people don't have an absolute truth in their life we do as thus saith the Lord the Bible says you know uh, I don't know if any of you get the Baptist message the paper that is sent out by the Baptist Association but it had a great article in there about Billy Graham and uh, one of the things that I that I noted and I remember from listening to him over the years is that Billy Graham's catchphrase was the Bible says. He always pointed people to the Bible. He recognized that his words 
were basically insignificant. But what the Bible says, that's truth. And he pointed people to the Word of God. And that's what we, the people of God, need to do as well. And in fact, whenever we, uh, if we ever have that, that we find ourselves in the position and we are prompted to challenge someone on something in their life, we need to go not with our opinion, but thus saith the Lord. What the Bible says. Let them know it's not uh, something I heard the preacher preach or something that the Sunday school teacher said. Don't go up there and say, well, Brother Robert said. You know, you're wrong when you do what you're doing. You go in and say, this is what the Bible says. And you, you study it and you go into it and realizing uh, the, the significance and, and the importance of that. But John identified sin. He called adultery adultery. He called incest incest. And it, and it recognized it and identified it as sin. And we need to do that today, more today than ever, because society is tolerant of everything but righteousness. In the eyes of society today, there is no sin. What the Bible calls sin. We need to get into the Word of God and identify what God says is sin and recognize it as such and ask the Lord to help us to refrain from that. So we find John the Baptist practiced that. But then we see the, uh, not only the fearless confrontation of John the Baptist to King Herod, but also the fear of John uh, by others. Uh, we read... Uh, there in Matthew 14 that Herod fear, feared the multitude because they considered John a prophet. And in Mark it says that Herod feared John in verse 20. So it was a, a consensual agreement there in their spirit and their mind that they recognized there was something special about John the Baptist. Uh, he was considered a prophet. Again, I, I remind you that for 400 years or so, but from Malachi, there had not been a prophet of God proclaiming the Word of God until now in this present time. And they, they readily recognized John as being a prophet from God. So they, uh, they constituted fear, respect in their mind. They respected him as a holy and just man. Uh, Mark chapter 6 verse 20 identifies that. That's how Herod looked at him. And it, it, I find it interesting that it says he protected him. Uh, King Herod protected him for a season. Uh, he had so much respect for him. He put him in prison, true. But I think he protected him even while he was in prison. Uh, he, he took care of him. He, he did want, not want to abuse him. But he, want, he, he tried to shut him up is what he was trying to do. He was trying to quiet his message and keep him from influencing the populace against uh, him. He, uh, I guess Herod was basically in a popularity contest. He, did, he wanted his approval ratings to rise up, so he had to shut up the preacher that was uh, preaching against what he was doing. So he put him in prison. Uh, but not only did he protect him, notice what it says also in verse uh, 20 of Mark chapter 6. And uh, he heard him. He listened to John. Uh, it does not specifically say here, but I think that he probably called John into his, had an audience with him uh, on several occasions and listened to what John had to say. 
And it says that he did many things. That Herod responded in some ways. Doesn't say what or how. Uh, we do know that he didn't give up Herodias. We know that he didn't send Herodias back to Philip. Uh, but there's some other things apparently that impacted King Herod's life. And he again listened and responded to John's message. But then there was a fateful night that took place. As, as much as Herod respected John, uh, you know, sometimes we, we find ourselves getting caught in a trap. And Herod found himself in such a position. Yes, sir. Can we uh, make comments? Yes, sir. Open. Okay. Yeah, this is informal. Uh, I'm sorry. In, uh, in Matthew, it says, For Herod laid hold of John, bound him, and put him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. Right. And this is, well, <clears throat> I just tell you, you can stand up at uh, the pulpit and you can call your men low down and no good, and they'll uh, they respect you for it. And, May even straighten out, but you have to be careful messing with women. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> and he, messed, he messed with Herodias, and yeah. he, uh, and this, and that's what uh, what caused him to be uh, caused John to be put in prison. Right, is because right. he crossed Herodias. Right, she's she's the she one liked, that she wanted to move up the ladder. Right, uh, in uh, politics and money, maybe or whatever. Didn't but matter she, to her, did it? So he crossed Herodias. Yeah. And that's that's real center to uh, to this. Right. What's the saying? Hell. Yeah. The, no, say, the saying, "Hell hath no fury like a woman woman scorned." I think that was in play. <laughs> but uh, don't you think it discouraged all the great, like the disciples and the people that the men that were uh, trying to follow Jesus and teach Jesus and and gather, make his kingdom larger, and it discouraged them. Why didn't God step in? He's. It would be very easy for him to stop that. God was already there. John was fulfilling his purpose. That's right. But. <laughs> well, here, God has always got here, a but. <laughs> I know. Here's the thing. But. The discouragement of all these people. It, it didn't look discourage. At the, look at the. Um, what makes you it, think they were discouraged by? It, it actually had the opposite effect. Just like the persecution in the Book of Acts, the 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 Jews, the religious leaders, attempted to stop the disciples through persecuting, beating them, put them in jail, and all that kind of stuff. But it actually had the opposite effect. Uh, uh, within the church because as history shows the more that the church is persecuted the larger it grows and the stronger it grows so God works even in, in, the, in adverse situations God works to promote His mission His ministry His uh, and accomplish what He wants to accomplish in people's lives the, what, just like in when we studied uh, Genesis and Joseph's life, Joseph answered his brother, said, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. He turned uh, the, something bad into something real good and positive. Same way with John the Baptist. And here's, here's the thing. If you, this is what I believe the Bible teaches, that uh, uh, 
that if you are in the in the center of God's will and you're fulfilling God's call on your life, you're doing what God wants you to do. I believe the Bible teaches doesn't come right out and say this word for word, but I believe the principle is there. I believe that you are invincible in more that you are immortal until God finishes you in your mission. Case in point. I heard, do any of you listen to Dr. David Jeremiah on Sunday morning? Every Sunday morning. He spoke on the two witnesses in the book of Revelation this morning. That's a prime example of this that that I'm sharing with you. That the two witnesses, after the rapture of the church, two witnesses regardless of who you think they are, are going to come and preach the Word of God for three and one-half years to the world and, and cause many multitudes to repent and receive Christ as their Savior and be, be born again, even in the tribulation period. But at, And during that three and a half years, there's going to be many attempts on their life to, to kill them, uh, to destroy them. And nothing will face them. In fact, the Bible says that they'll be able to breathe fire from their mouth and destroy their enemies. Now, that's something. That's more than bad breath. I mean, that is powerful stuff going on there. You know what I'm saying? The, uh, but at the end of the three and a half years, the enemies of God will be successful and kill them. Kill those two witnesses. And have such a hatred for them that the bodies of those two witnesses will stay in the in the street unburied for three and a half days, and the, the all the world at that time will basically will be having a uh, celebrating like Christmas. They'll be having a big party. They'll be exchanging gifts because they're so glad that these two guys are gone. But then, in, at the end of three and a half days, God's going to bring them back to life. And they're going to stand up, and they're going to be healed, and they're going to ascend in the in the sight of all the world at that time, ascend into heaven. So they were invincible as long until the mission was complete. So every time I go on a mission trip, I remind my wife that is uh, that if I'm where God wants me to be, don't worry about me because I'll be there. I'll be fine. Until unless God's ready for me to go. And if I'm ready to go, if it's my time, I'm in a win-win situation. If I'm on the mission field when I go, hey, I'm a happy dude. You know, if I'm doing what God's wanted me to do, I'm going to go with a smile on my face. It doesn't matter. Uh, I just hope they don't torture me. That's what I don't <laughs> Yes, ma'am. It's a low tolerance to pain. I, to I have no tolerance. Back to Herod. Yes, ma'am. In reading this chapter, it looks like to me he did not recognize or he had never heard much about Jesus when he beheaded John. Right. Respected John. He obviously thought John had risen from the dead. That's right. He was hearing about Jesus' miracles. That's right. Yes, ma'am. I'm going to build on that just a second. Yes, sir, Mr. Bob. uh, It's an honor to die for the cause of Christ to be chosen by God to be used the way that uh, John the Baptist was. An interesting story that's uh, told among the, the Jews is and what 
And what goes around comes around. God is still on the throne. Amen. So whatever takes place, of course, I'm getting a little ahead of your story, but uh, that the story goes that um, that um, Herodias and uh, her and her husband and her daughter were exiled to France, and the story was that I believe it was Simone was walking across the uh, the ice on a lake and fell through, but the sharp edge of the ice cut her head off. Hmm. That story, I don't know whether it's true or not, but it's it's interesting. Tradition and teaches it, doesn't it? Because, yeah. because what, you know, God never lets anything pass. Right. Everything that's said before God, He hears. Everything that's done before God. Uh, but uh, John the Baptist is a hero. He dies a hero. Exactly. And we're still talking about <clears throat> this heroic sacrifice. Right. Being a martyr for Christ is a tremendous honor, for sure. Um, I'm going to go on the flip side of that coin too. Living for Christ is a great honor. You know, you won't be willing to die for Christ if you're not willing to live for Him. So before you think about becoming a martyr for Christ and thinking about, yeah, I'm willing to die for Jesus. First of all, ask yourself and answer this question. Are you willing to live for Jesus now? If you're not, then the other won't happen. Okay? But anyway, that's a good point. I like that. So, we find that uh, John res- uh, was respected, and but then that fateful night, the Herod had a birthday. And like most people, that unless they are our age, they had a party. You know, we try to sometimes forget those birthdays, but uh, Herod liked his birthday. He was going to have a party. He might be, might have been from New Orleans, you know, because they always like a party. They're looking for a reason for a party. Herod found a reason for a party. It was his birthday, so he had a big party. He invited a lot of guests, prominent guests. And um, uh, part of the celebration was that there was dancers. They would come out and dance and uh, appease the 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 attendance of the of the um, of the party, and one of those dancers was Salome, Herodias's daughter. Uh, commentaries seem to indicate she was somewhere between 12 and 14 years of age at this time, equivalent today of our 18, 19 year olds. You know, she was a teenager. But anyway, she danced. It just says she danced. We don't know what kind of dance, but uh, uh, the implications are uh, very seductively uh, to the point that it strongly appealed to King Herod, Herod of Antipas. So as a result, when she got through dancing, he was so excited and beyond himself, he was, um, he told her, said, look, I like that so much. You ask me whatever you want, and I'll give it to you. Up to half my kingdom. And he made a public announcement of that. It wasn't that he told her that in secret. It was in public before all those that were in attendance of the party. So, in a couple of places in the Gospels, you can read this, but it seems to indicate that there's a possibility that Herodias had instructed her daughter in what to do, how to do, and if this resulted, this is what you, how you need to respond to Herod. 
Uh, Herodias was uh, a very cunning woman, and as uh, Mr. Bob just brought out, she was concerned. Her focus was climbing the ladder. She wanted that position, that power, that prestige. She wanted that place of honor. And she was going to do anything she could to achieve that and to maintain that. And John was a threat to that. So she was, uh, she, her focus was getting rid of John. So she could have asked for all kinds of stuff, but instead she, Salome, asked for the head of John the Baptist. Now, she had, Herodias had a tremendous hatred of John. Throughout my lifetime, and I'm sure yours as well, there have been public figures that have come on the scene that have uh, expressed tremendous disgust and disregard to the, to the things of God. Uh, those that take the lead in, in trying to uh, have God kicked out of schools and prayer kicked out of public schools and different things that are going on, the attacks of the different Christian business people uh, that take a biblical stand uh, and refuse to do certain things that kind of uh, that go against their biblical standards. You know, those the, the people that begin to sue them and take them to court and, and try to destroy their lives. They're, they've been all through the ages of man, and Herodias was one of those. And she was going to do whatever was necessary to eliminate the threat in her life or that which she considered a threat. Uh, John was actually trying to bring her back to the right position and right relation with God, but she did not receive it that way. But she grew in hatred. Um, and just as soon as Salome gave her request to Herod, regret filled his heart. True enough, he put him in prison. Herod uh, didn't like the message that John was preaching concerning he and Herodias' relationship, but he still uh, had a respect to John of John. But immediately when she came in and gave that, verse 26 of Mark 6, the king was exceedingly sorrowful. Uh, but because he made this public announcement, you know, he had a choice to make. So, well, okay. Do I follow through with my oath, my, my pledge to Salome and, and give her what she's requested or do I eat crow and back out and, and protect John the Baptist? Well, as Mr. Bob already brought out, Herodias wasn't a woman that you wanted to confront and deal with. So I'm sure Herodias... Quick, I mean, Herod quickly weighed his options. Uh, number one, he had a group of dignitaries in his party that he wanted to save face and let it be known that his word was, was sure that whatever he said, it was going to happen because he was leading them. Had he crawfished, had he backed off of this, you know, something else later on down the line, an order he gave to them, they may have considered, well, he can, he can back off of this too. But he was strong in his, his resolve to honor his commitment for them. But also for Herodias. He knew the wrath of that woman. 
He knew that uh, uh, had he denied that request, there would have been something bad to pay later on, and he would have been the one worse off for it. So as a result, he submitted to the request, sent an executioner to the prison, and there in the prison had John executed, had his head decapitated from his body, placed on a platter, and brought to Salome. Now, I tried to picture that. You know, I tried to picture that. Here's a 12 to 14 year old girl being presented with a head of a man on a platter. I'm thinking, what kind of result, what kind of reaction would she have to that? But here's what I've concluded. Her mother had so instilled in her a hatred toward John the Baptist, it probably, she delighted in that, if I had to guess. But, you know, and then I think about today. You know, our kids today have become so desensitized to sin and to evil and to horror. Uh, You know, blood and guts doesn't bother anybody nowadays, it seems like, most people. Now, there are some exceptions, and John DeFatta is one of them. Hey, I, I get, I had to, I'm going to tell this on him, and you can tell him that I told this on him later. But uh, I was talking to him yesterday, and he said the doctor was, he got this big bandage on his hand where he had surgery, and the doctor was telling him, said, look, I'm going to take this off after surgery and put a different kind of cast thing on his hand. He said, now don't get alarmed whenever I take this off because it's going to probably look like this, this, and this, blood vessels in the, the pockets and all. Describing an awful scene, John said, I almost fainted right there. <laughs> Him just talking about it. I hadn't even seen it yet. You know? So some people have a different reaction to things like that, but I don't think Salome had a reaction like that whenever it came to John's head. I think she delighted in it. But... Uh, then we see that even though John the Baptist suffered a martyr's death, it is an honor to die in that way. Uh, so the faithful will be honored. The, I heard a story one time that this missionary <clears throat> had given his life to a, a place just re- remote parts of the jungle to a people group that wasn't very large but he he felt called to go there and God had blessed him so much and but now it was the end of his life and he was coming back home uh, he had given all of his life to, to the ministry of the gospel and to the word of God and he was on this ship and uh, he was sailing home and uh, uh, he was getting getting close to docking at the port and uh uh, there was this uh, dignitary, this celebrity that was on the ship with him. And there was so much pomp and circumstance surrounding them and, and a band playing. And, and when they departed from the ship, there was a big band playing, waiting on them on the dock uh, for that celebrity. And uh, just, uh, you know, the mayor of the city was greeting them with the key to the city and all this recognition going on. And... Uh, the missionary came down the ramp and, and departed the boat and there was no one to meet him. 
And he was feeling real sorry for himself. And he was thinking to himself, God, you know, this is something. Uh, I give my life to you. I sacrificed everything to promote the gospel. And I know you blessed me with that. But Lord, you know, here's this guy, this person, this dignitary receiving all these accolades and recognition and everything. And multitudes of people there to, to, to announce and celebrate their arrival. And no one here to, to uh, when I get home, no one here to meet me. And it seemed like a voice came to him and said, well, you're not home yet. <coughs> this world's not our home. Our honor is later. John the Baptist heard, well done, my good and faithful servant. That's what we shoot for. But the disciples of John the Baptist heard of John's demise and went and got permission to take his body and have it buried. And the disciples of Christ, they heard. And uh, Miss Joyce, you're right in that Herod wasn't sure about Jesus. If you remember, John's ministry was first. John the Baptist, he was prominent in his position, in his preaching, in his ministry, and announced Jesus coming by baptizing him. So, John the Baptist had about six months or so before Jesus' ministry began. Jesus was just starting His ministry. And so as the reputation of the Lord Jesus grew, the death of Herod had already taken place. And now Herod is hearing about Jesus and that's why he's thinking, oh wow, this is coming back to haunt me, what I've done. But we find that the Lord Jesus was coming in and fulfilling what John the Baptist had already prophesied that He had introduced Christ to come. But the disciples of Christ, we, we may not be honored in this life, but our reward is in heaven in the life to come in recognition for our faithfulness to the Lord in our service for Him. So when you get down and out, when you get in despair, when you uh, come to the place that the devil has begun to implode your mind with negative thoughts about your service for God, just remember, we're not home yet. Yes, ma'am. In the four Gospels, does it ever tell us that Jesus ever confronted Herod? Did he ever meet up with him and say, you know, I'm going to He met up with a Herod at his uh, the trial. The one that I think I think this one was out, and I think the next one was in play oh, okay. whenever the uh, just before Jesus was crucified. So, uh, but he will be in front of a Herod. So, so we find that John the Baptist, his ministry comes to an end. And Jesus becomes the limelight. He becomes the one in the forefront. Next week, Lord willing, we're going to begin looking at the Annunciation of the birth of Christ and the genealogy. And uh, no, I'm going to go ahead and tell you this from get-go. I am not going to read all the begats. That's up to you. And... Uh, 
but but I may but I may very well I encourage you to read those begets the the lineage the genealogy of Christ I encourage you to read that because I probably will bring out a few things in that you can learn some things in that uh, but that's what we're going to be that's where we're going to be looking at uh, the next few weeks okay in our study of the harmony of the gospel any questions comments before we um, dismiss good discussion today thank you so much for your input we thank you for everything that you say I wasn't I wasn't I, I wasn't asking for that Ms. <laughs> thank you. Okay, All right. I, I won't thank you Thank Robert, you. yes, ma'am. Let me ask you one question. Since you said you don't like pain, I don't like pain, and you don't want to be tortured. Okay, if if somebody just takes a sharp knife and just splits your your head off right here at your neck, do you have pain or are you just dead? <laughs> well, since since I've never experienced that, Miss Donna, I cannot tell you. Sure. What what do the doctors say? I don't know. I don't know. But I my my thought is it it doesn't matter because you done lost your head anyway, so it doesn't matter. He probably got a headache, didn't he? Uh, <laughs> I think he's crazy. Let's let's. I feel I feel the same way you do. I can't stand the thought of being tortured. Um, I'm, I'm, I can't either. I don't know that I ever will be. Even in a car wreck, I'm ready to die if somebody hits me. <laughs> yeah. But I don't want to be crippled and uh, in a coma, and you know. Well, I don't know that either one of us have any say so over our ending, but uh, I've just put that bug in the Lord's ear, saying, you know, just just in case you want to know. All right, let's go. Yes, ma'am, Miss Joyce. You're talking about how many of us would give our life for Christ. If we wouldn't live for Christ. Remember on the news about a year ago when those, those Egyptian Coptic Christians yes. lined up on the yes. and they were, everyone knew they were going to be headed right. to Christ and they would not. Right. Then they were really... Yes, ma'am. You have to be pretty committed or you're going to coward out at that time. Right. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer and we'll be dismissed. Thank you, Father, for the day. Thank you for this time in your word. Thank you for the ministry and the life and the example of John the Baptist. Help us to glean some truths to apply to our own life. Father, and I pray that for the service that we're about to enter into, I pray, Father, for the music, that it will prepare our hearts to hear from you. Be with our pastors. he preaches. May the words that he say, says today be those from you. And may we hear and receive and to apply to our life. Bless now. Do a work within us. The change that only you can do, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.